you two, you know, have never met in person. Um, you've only known each other through my feminine heart and, and online, correct? Right. And I'm hoping we'll get to meet at uh, Keystone. Yes. Because I'm planning to go. Lisa, you're going, right? Definitely. And in fact, I, I am hopeful that I'll be able to give this presentation. Oh, that'd be great. And the thing I'm worried about is, you know, just a month ago, who would have thought what happened the first event would happen? So I'm just hoping by the later part of March, you know, we'll be good to go. You know, we were just talking about this evening and um, I, I honestly think that we are going to see such a downtick come in March. Oh, you know what? I think we've got a little background there, Lisa. I'm just going to mute you quick. Actually, Susan, you have an event coming up, right? Or is, did you? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the first week of February. It's uh, just a little bit over two weeks from now. It's uh, Paint the Town. It'll be the first year of that. And it's a three-day, uh, you know, packed uh, event with a lot of activities each day. And I'm a bit worried right now with it coming up so soon. I mean, the plan is it's still going to go ahead. And we've got people coming in out of town for that. And everybody still is gung-ho. And all of the venues that we're scheduled for are still operating. So the plan is to do it as long as you know people are comfortable to come in, go ahead with the plan, and that the venues are open. But you know, I'm a bit concerned because you know the numbers are still very high and it's possible it could get a lot better in the next couple of weeks but you know it's a pretty short time to hope for that so we'll just have to see but anyway it is going forward it's uh, february 3rd through the 6th and uh, mostly in the downtown area of chicago you know a lot of cultural and uh, recreational activities you know we've got I think between over 40 people that are registered for it, it doesn't mean that they're all coming and people won't be attending every single activity, but they pick and choose kind of a la carte what they want to do. And it's the first year of it. So it's, we were all pretty excited until uh, Omicron came up. <laughs> yeah, it did hit us fast, but I will say, you know, first event still went on as a social event and you are certainly planning paint the town as a social event. So, you know, there, you don't have necessarily people squeezing into tiny spaces and things like that. You know, what first event had to scale back was like the small seminars and the vendor room where people would kind of group together in mass. So I think, I think you're going to have a lovely time and I hope to be there with you next year, as much as I yeah. love Boston in January, I will love Chicago in February. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. You would add a lot to it. It would be fantastic. And I wish that that would have happened this year, but then with all the uncertainty, maybe it's for the best that it went the way it did. But, you know, next year we'll have, you know, a year under our belt and to, you know, to get you involved would be fantastic. Oh, I would be honored. And I'm so excited for us to finally meet in person. It's I've known Lisa for years. I was excited for tonight because I read in her bio. I'm like, oh, this was the year you first started coming to Keystone. And I finally got to meet Miss Ashley in Erie in November, which still seems like just a few weeks ago. It doesn't even seem like that far back. I know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am so excited for this evening. So I have to say, um, Lisa Smith, 
she is the champion of this evening's talk. And I have to say that one of the things that propelled it happening right now was the fact that she was supposed to give this um, presentation at first event and then first event was scaled back from presentations. And I thought, you know what, Lisa, we've talked about this forever. Let's just do it. And uh, I could not imagine a more beautiful panel of like three different people on here to really talk about their evolutions and their journey and what this has all meant to them. And as I always say, oh my goodness, we've got so many comments already. I will get to y'all. <laughs> yes, say hello. Let me know that you're here. Um, but oh, gosh, it's Tuesday. It's Trans Tuesday and it is my favorite night of the week. So I am Cassandra Storm, your host of My Feminine Heart. Uh, My Feminine Heart is an online membership and community where we have a private Facebook group. And every Tuesday, we have an event, either a public one like this or a private one um, where we gather and we socialize or we share our thoughts with the world, trying to make the world a better place. Essentially, we are working on transforming the lives of trans women through sisterhood. And, um, you know, tonight is a really, really special episode. Uh, we are featuring the lovely Lisa Smith, Susan Holt, and Ashley Glennon. And Lisa is our champion this evening, but we are going to have some fantastic commentary from Susan and Ashley. Uh, ladies, at Lisa, please say hello. It is such an honor to have you join us again. Oh, you're on mute, babe. I wasn't on mute. I don't know why I went to mute, but in any you event. You had, um, you had uh, our show playing in the background, so I had to mute you real fast. Oh, okay. And I shut that down. I'm, I've got two screens. I'm watching on, on Facebook, so I can see some of the uh comments and uh so uh, that's why and i was turning it down as you me. so oh. uh, i'm excited to be here um i, I there's one thing i want to one thing that i want to clear the air for i see that uh, my very good friend christy avery is is here uh watching and i'd just like to give her a shout out and to tell her that yes i am wearing leopard something <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Christy. Hi, everybody at home. Uh, well, let me tell you a little bit about this snazzy leopard wearing lady. So um, you may know her if you know her online by S period Lisa Smith. Not a lot of people know S is the Susan. And she is a 72 year old retired attorney who volunteers at the local aquarium and is active in her synagogue. And um, if you know her, you know that she is a big time surfer and has been surfing for almost the entirety of her life and has been promising me surfing lessons for years. And I promise, I promise I am coming at some point down to Virginia Beach for some surfing. Um, she volunteers at Keystone. She's a tremendous volunteer with the Keystone Conference which she has been attending, I think, since 2015. And she's also a proud member of the Vanity Club. So Lisa, thank you so much. And uh, next, I'd like to introduce Susan. Susan and I met through the pandemic. 
Um, I don't know if we ever would have crossed paths before this happened. And so those are one of the things that I get really grateful because you have to find the silver lining in everything for COVID um, because Ms. Susan is a champion and leader advocate in the um, trans community in Chicago. And uh, we, she used to be a little bit more involved with us on Tuesdays, but they do a Tuesday night there too. And as her leadership levels have increased with the Chicago Gender Society, we are seeing her less and less. But um, you know, one of the things that Lisa really championed about tonight is we've had a lot of conversation. We focus heavily on trans women and we talk a lot about transition journeys and we do occasionally get to highlight the story of a sister who maybe isn't ever intending to transition or maybe doesn't even consider herself um, transgender as a trans woman, but more um, like our interview with Christy Garcia, who's a sister who considers herself a heterosexual crossdresser. So one of the things that Lisa really wanted to hit tonight was talking about the less spoken of group of those who put themselves in the dual gender category. And if you are a longtime fan of My Feminine Heart, you will have seen Susan on the show um, for the last year and a half, couple of years. And a year and a half ago, we had a really fantastic conversation about labels. You know, do we even need labels anymore? And what do labels mean to us? And I know um, she will be bringing that in. And when she did her journey um, interview, which she so gracefully shared with us this past August, um, she had a lot of um, interesting thoughts on her background and how she lives her life as Susan, along with her lovely spouse, Jean. And Ashley, we have just watched her like bloom over the last year. I cannot get over. I feel like, you know, we've had somebody like Susan come on and share her journey. And we've watched Ashley have her journey over this past year because she has been such a fabulous active member of the sisterhood and community. And all three of you have been on Trans Tuesday multiple times. And every time you do, you have so many beautiful, wonderful things to share. And like I said, we're here about changing the world and you all have been a part of that. So thank you. And before uh, we begin, I just wanna give a shout out to all these people <laughs> who are saying hello. We have, wow, we have a lot of people joining us tonight. Um, so I just wanna say hello to our sisters, Georgette Corneo. Um, welcome, Jerry. Well, hi, oh, Lauren A is watching. Um, Anne, hi, Anne. I know she just adores Elisa. Uh, hi, Miranda. Hi, Rami, all the way, your sister all the way from New Zealand. Um, Hey there, Christy Avery. Yes, hello. Hi, Sarah Shore. Uh, Louise Richardson. Liz, hi, welcome. Liz Tattersall, who we just love and adore. Oh, welcome, Emily. Welcome, Darlene from uh, as NS Canada, Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, would love to get to know you more because I am planning a trip to Nova Scotia this year, as long as borders stay open. Um, welcome Diane and Grace and Rebecca. Girls, we have a lot of people very interested in what you have to say tonight. Welcome Ashley, my dear Leah. We have not seen you in a while. I hope you are well. So we have multiple ladies from Canada as Leah is. Welcome Beverly Phillips, one of our newest sisters and Donna, Michelle. Yep, Nova Scotia. Oh, how wonderful. And Alexa McMurray, brand new sister. Oh, and she says she's a VC sister. So you've got the VC gals tuning in. 
Oh my goodness. So I don't even want to hold up any of these amazing audience members anymore. I will tell you that um, if you are watching tonight and you are interested in joining My Feminine Heart, our doors are open and we would love for you to join us. Just go to myfeminineheart.com and follow the link at the top and you can you know, be a part of transforming these lives, just like these ladies on screen or from behind the scenes. And for all of our audience members at home, we have a, a really great debate happening tonight, and I would love to hear your questions and comments. So as these gals are chatting, please, you know, ask questions, send comments in. I will be sure to check on them. And I'm going to just let Lisa roll. So Lisa, she has been championing this for so long. She was supposed to give this at first event. It is a, a world-class mini presentation. She's going to share about her life. And then the doors to this debate are open. Well, I should say discussion um, because we are all just here to talk about, you know, what this means to us in the community. So Lisa, take it away, my dear. Thank you very much. Hello, ladies. Uh... I'm excited to be here to, to talk to you all. And uh, there are a number of my uh, cisgendered women friends who uh, are hopefully going to drop in and may have already dropped in. Uh, and I just missed them. Uh, in any event, when the general population hears the term transgender, they assume that the person who identifies as transgender wishes to have an operation and live the rest of their life as a person of the opposite gender. Now, we all know that that's not exactly correct, but that's what the general population thinks. Many of us don't fit that, that definition. Many of us present as the opposite gender to our birth gender infrequently and are happy for the most part to live that, this way. Speaking for myself, I, I personally don't have the dysphoria that my sisters who wish to transition completely and live their lives as, as a different gender, they, or the other gender, they frequently, I, I hear, do suffer from dysphoria. Uh, but for me, that's, that has not ever been a problem. In the beginning, I was a transvestite a man who was drawn to woman's clothes. It was a coin turned by the German doctor Magnus Hirschfeld in 1910. And it comes from the Latin trans, which of course means across, and vestis, which of course means dressed, to refer to the sexual interest in cross-dressing. He used it to describe persons who habitually and voluntarily wore clothes of the opposite sex. Hirschfeld's group of transvestites actually consisted of both males and females with heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, and asexual orientations. It doesn't seem to be recorded whether they actually had uh, any folks who wanted to uh, completely transition and live their lives uh, as the opposite gender. Uh, so that part may have been addressed by him or may not have been. Um, I never, I never understood why I loved to dress as a woman. I only dressed infrequently and was only interested in women as sexual partners. I assumed that when I got married, I would lose the desire to dress as a woman. That may sound familiar to a lot of you. 
As years passed and the term morphed into crossdresser, a much less clinical sounding term, really there was no change because it's just a translation of the Latin, but it sounds much better, I think. Uh, and to me, it meant a person who liked to dress as a woman occasionally. At the time, I came out to a few close cisgender women friends. I explained that what I, I was doing, I was like a revolutionary war reenactor, but I was reenacting being a woman. Why? I had no idea, but I wanted to be the best woman I could be. Time passed and I got a computer, got on the internet and found a community of like-minded persons. It was the internet forum crossdressers.com. I became a member and became very active. We posted pictures of our outfits, tried to answer questions that were raised about fashion. We gave tricks and tips and gave each other help and support. It was a lovely community and it still is. Um, I have kind of transitioned, if excuse the expression, to Facebook more. Um, but I have wonderful friends who I made there and some of them are watching today or watch, will be watching this uh, in the repeat form. But I have wonderful friends that I made there and we decided to go to Keystone, the Keystone Conference in 2015. To say that that was an eye-opening experience would be an understatement. I can remember going down in the elevator. Elevator opens up on the main floor. I looked around and I was astonished. Here were people like me. It was mind-blowing. It was wonderful. I had a blast. But I realized that this was my tribe, but it was a huge tribe and not everybody was like me. I met and became friends with folks who wanted to permanently change their gender presentation and live full-time as their real gender. There were folks who, like me, considered themselves cross-dressers. I became friends with them as well and, and enjoy wonderful relationships with them. Uh, it was just an amazing experience, but I couldn't explain, I still couldn't explain why I wanted to present as a woman sometimes, just couldn't. And I was also not sure that cross-dresser was the correct term for me. It was either the first or second keystone that I heard the term gender fluid. And I thought about it and I said, hmm, maybe I'm gender fluid. After all, I go between presenting as one gender and then the other. I thought about it for, for quite some time and was really dissatisfied with that term as well. Because I didn't really think that, that that was really me. I think of someone who is gender fluid as a person who is either, cha either changes his or her gender presentation often and perhaps even daily depending on how they feel. 
Now, I want you to understand that whatever I give you a definition, except for the Wikipedia definition of uh, bigendered, these are my definitions. They're not, they don't have to be your definitions. They help me figure out things, but I don't have or want the power to make the definitions. I don't think anybody has that power. I think that everybody gets to make their own definition of what they're doing. So that, you know, and someone else may have uh, a definition that's much, much more valid than mine. So please understand when I give a definition, that's what I'm doing. And I'm not that way. I present mail most of the time. While saying that, Lisa is always there. When I present as Lisa, hopefully once a week, sometimes I'm lucky and can, and other times I cannot, uh, I am not the same person as my male self. Lisa can be touchy-feely, let her emotions out, and of course, wear fabulous clothes and makeup, which is one of the wonderful things, I think. Lisa sees things from a more feminine perspective. When I am Lisa, I become the woman I would have been had I been born a woman, or at least I, I hope I did. Is my male self completely gone? No, but he's in the background. In fact, I think he may be further in the background than Lisa is when he, my male self, is in the foreground. Why? I don't know. It may be because my default nature is more feminine in that I am more emotional. I, I'm an emotional person and I love giving hugs and things like that. So, you know, I don't know exactly why, but I certainly would like to be more emotional and loving as my male self, but that's not allowed because of society's expectations. So I finally decided that I am dual or bi-gender. I prefer the, the term dual gender. Linda Mills, who uh, talks about this frequently, more, much more frequently than I do, uh, is a good friend. And she likes the term dual gender. And, uh, and I, so I'm going with that. So what is dual gender? Here, here's Wikipedia's definition, not my definition, but Wikipedia's. Wikipedia states bi-gender, which is one word, or bi-gender, or they throw me a bone, dual gender. People have two gender identities and behaviors identifying, to, they identify as bi-gender and it's typically understood to mean that one identifies both male and female or moves between masculine gender expression and female gender expression, having two distinct gender identities simultaneously or fluctuating between them. Like I said, Wikipedia doesn't get to make the definition, but 
it's an okay starting point. Like I've said, I have a definition that I apply to myself. The definition works for me, but I don't get to make the definitions I've said, and I can't express that strongly enough. Lisa, that's, that's such a beautiful point. And thank you so much for starting this conversation um, and for the research that you've done. You know, it's, it's so interesting to know, you know, how the terminology has changed over time. And I'm wondering from, you know, those of us who are on screen and those who are home, who, who are sharing right now, you know, do you connect with what Lisa says? You know, at least I think it's so interesting that you, you, it's almost like a fan or an app on your phone running in the background that you have Lisa in the background when you're Hank, and then you have a little less of Hank in the background when you're Lisa. Is this something that other people are commonly experiencing? And does that ever change for anyone over time? Ashley or Susan, do either of you have anything you'd like to share? I could actually relate to that statement a lot. Um, when I came out just over a year ago to my family, um, I came out saying that it, it took me a while to figure out what I was. Um, I hated I hated the terminology for transvestite and things like that. I still honestly, I never really liked the term crossdresser either, even though that's basically how I was for like all my life um but uh when i finally heard the term gender fluid it really stuck with me because i thought that kind of might and you know it's very by gender kind of thing but even me i was a little bit even more kind of wishy-washy as to being like all on one end or all on the other um so there was like always some part that seemed to be floating around that's why i thought gender fluid sounded really well um, to describe me and that's how I came out and that's how I lived for oh god like six months trying to figure out my life um, and I will say wholeheartedly that this was the first time I'd ever been able to explore that feeling that that side of me more open well not more openly openly at all um, like publicly and see what it would be like uh, and you know to to a lot of people's credit, they they accepted me. Um, it was confusing uh, for everyone because some days I would be my former self and some days I would be Ashley. And, um, you know, it was hard to deal with the pronouns thing. Um, I tried they, them, that never sat well with me. Um, for those of you who are just meeting me, I eventually did come to the realization that I am trans and I have been pursuing transition ever since uh, the middle of summer. So um, I have like a, I, I guess I'd be the dissenting opinion, but not the, not, I, I don't, I don't dis, like disagree with anything that is being presented here. I know everybody has their journey. I just know that I felt very comfortable coming out as gender fluid, but it never felt right for me. Kind of like how Lisa was saying, like, you know, it seems like Lisa is a little more forward even when she's not being Lisa. Um, I, I always felt like I was wrong. Like I always, I put on the, the thing that I, the, the thing, the, the part that I struggled with, honestly, the most with all this, and I finally kind of realized and put it, put it to words, was that I struggled with um, unprogramming everything I was taught my entire life, um, which is, 
you know, how, how to get along in the world as a man, you must act this way, you must respond this way, you must think this way. And it was drilled in really well to the point where when I came out, everyone was like, what? <laughs> um, no, that, no, that doesn't make sense to you. Um, but they eventually got it. But yeah, it's so it's like un, my initial responses are so ingrained, even though my head and my heart say something different that it's really hard to like unprogram a lot of those natural things for me. Um, and I say natural only because they're just, you know, beaten in after 40 plus years. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I can, I can honestly say I tried to live gender fluid for a very long time. And it just, it, it, it and for me, it gave me actually enough insight to realize I wasn't. Um, you're muted cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say that to everyone. Actually, thank you. Um, and you know, that makes me wonder, Lisa, this was a really important topic for you. And I know that we hear several journeys like Ashley's, where there it's I think it's pretty hard for many people to just say, I'm going to go from A to Z. Like I was assumed male at birth, but I am a trans woman with none of those steps in between. And there are people who do that, but obviously there are those who take the comforting stepping stones. For example, many people, um, you know, we discuss the term cross-dress and then they explore that, you know, cross-dressing is enough. They may be more um, dual gender or gender fluid and, and, they, and they keep progressing, but that's not everyone's journey. Lisa, does it, feel like for you that people are waiting for you to transition or do you feel that you always have to justify your feelings of no I know other people transition but this is where I belong um no I really have never no one has ever said well why aren't you transitioning to live full-time I mean not I mean none of it wonderful uh, I mean that's you know, people who know me take me for what I am. I mean, the people who know that I'm Lisa and my male self, they, you know, they get it. Uh, I think that if uh, a number of my friends who only knew my male self could meet Lisa, they would be astounded, would be they just, their head, they wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a, a person who happens to be male-bodied, but who has a strong female side. But I love both my sides. I love my male self, and I love Lisa, and I love them both equally. And, you know, where I think that that I land, and you know, I may not, but th this is for me, I look at being transgendered as a giant umbrella that we all fit under, or it's a spectrum, same diff. And it goes from cross-dressers to people who want to permanently present as the other gender, their real gender, that you know it it's there's so many different shades of how you you know how someone is under the umbrella and that's why i say that 
that really, uh, you know, I make my own definitions, but they're just for me. I think that you are what you eat. What you think you are, you are. Do okay? you do you feel that you're asked your label or that is it um, assumed for you to share your label? So you go to a conference and you're around, you're at, you know, you're at Keystone, you're in the dog and pony, you're introducing people. Hi, I'm Lisa or Susan or Ashley. Um, do you feel that how you identify yourself is something that is that naturally comes up in conversation or is expected to come up in conversation quickly. And the only reason I ask is um, when we first started introducing members to each other in my feminine heart on Facebook, you know, we were like, Hey, tell us who you are. Everybody instantly started with their labels. I'm full-time, I'm part-time, I'm post-op, I'm pre-op, um, you know, I, I, I have no intention to transition without saying anything else about themselves. And so we've spent a lot of time in our Zoom socials as sisters really working to get to know each other outside of those labels. So for example, next week, we are getting a tour of Ashley's uh, woodworking studio <laughs> which is going to be amazing, which is like going to be this incredible event that highlights and, and spot, spotlights one of our sisters and has nothing to do with where she finds herself in, in the gender spectrum. But, um, you know, are labels important? Do you find that they come up in conversation or, you know, how does that conversation about labels make you feel? Susan, we haven't heard from you um, yet tonight and I'd love to hear from you. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, when I first was coming out, uh, and this was uh, like two and a half years ago, I think it's not that long ago. <clears throat> Before that, I had no familiarity with the community. I didn't know anybody uh, who shared, you know, this type of struggle before. And I was not somebody who was online to uh, learn about it very much. So as I first was coming out, I was really being introduced with, you know, real people within the community. and. It's interesting that no one ever, you know, asks asks me uh, how I identify as far as a label. Uh, it doesn't come up, and I don't see people uh, interacting and questioning each other that way. This is just my experience, but I've met so many people in the community uh, throughout the Chicago area, and also uh, nationally, you know, through electronic means. And I was kind of struck by how at least in my experience, it doesn't come up because people, and this is also true in my interactions with the cisgender community as well. I guess I have found uh, for me that, you know, how I present myself, people just accept that, you know, as it comes across and it's being respected and, you know, I have positive interactions and nobody is really asking me to, you know, specifically identify where I fit on that spectrum. And I would have a hard time doing it because I still struggle, you know, with putting myself into a particular type of label or category. And I got to a point where I found that I don't really benefit too much by trying to do it. But, you know, back to your question, it hasn't really been my experience of that coming up in day-to-day -day life. And I do see that in uh, my feminine heart and some of the other uh, chat groups, and I haven't been to a conference yet and to know what type of uh, discussions about that take place. But 
you know, just in my day-to-day life, you know, the people I interact with, you know, it's, I just find that people are respecting, you know, where I am and, and the signals that I put out in terms of how I wish to be regarded. I don't really have to say it. It just comes across, you know, in my interactions and, you know, and it's pretty much left at that. Um, you know, so I, I, that's something that struck me right away with the community was this is something that Lisa had brought up before, which is the whole diversity that we see. And, um, and I don't think it's really so easy to find yourself in the middle of that spectrum, because in a way for all the struggles that there might be to transition and go to uh, you know, a, a binary type of transition, I think uh, there are un- untold um, you know, challenges with that, but I think there's a certain clarity that that has uh, as opposed to the ambiguity of finding yourself in the middle. So that's where people who are dual gender, I think struggle with being able to understand themselves, trying to find you know, exactly how they would define that and also how other people and how cisgender people can struggle to try to understand that as well. Because so I think in general, people have gotten used to the idea of people transitioning in a binary sense, but when somebody is not on that path and they're not really one or the other exclusively, I think that sometimes creates more confusion. You know, I actually, I totally agree with that because I think Cass will probably remember um, it was probably in February last year or something like that, where I reached out to her and I'm like, is is no one else here gender fluid? Like, I, I you know, I, I joined this group for support and I'm like, I don't see anyone else like me in here. I'm like, I, I can't find anyone in the community anywhere that like even remotely seems to identify with the way I was trying to identify at the time. And it was you're right it's a it's a struggle it's not easy it's it i lisa i give you so much credit for having you were one of the people that uh Cass, you know connected me with and yeah. um we talked off and on for a bit when i was you know struggling with some of this and it was wonderful and um but like to have the clarity that you have i never had that and um you know at least i never had that until i finally figured myself out but like you said Everybody's got their own journey and their own path, but I do think this is a very underrepresented part of the community that I'm really glad you're bringing this topic up with everyone because it was really a struggle for me to just find someone else that I could even talk to about this and how do they live their lives like this. Right. Oh my gosh. That's That's why I'm doing this because there are, I'm sure that there are a lot of people like you, but I'm also sure that there are a lot of people that are like me that just don't speak up or don't look for it. Firstly, you know, when I'm at a conference and I walk up to somebody and I look like this, they know what pronouns to use. And uh, although I will have to say there was at first event uh, in 2020, they had big bowls and they had um, uh, buttons on them that said that had the pronouns and I put that on there. I really didn't feel that I needed to, but I thought that, uh, you know, if they've got that, then maybe some people would like that better and it would be helpful to other people, which 
you know, I'm all about that as well. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, that when you go to a conference, you're just taking it face value, really. And they, whether you talk about where you are on the spectrum or not, usually doesn't come up. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to, to, well, Linda Mills started this and she has been trying to spread the word so that people who are like us or similar to us will know that it's okay, that you don't have to transition to a full-time presentation of, of the other gender if you are not either comfortable with it or driven to it. I think that that's, uh, that's something that is an individual decision that each person makes for themselves and that we really don't, we don't have uh, the right really to force anybody to do what we think is right for them. We really don't. We can make suggestions, we can show different things, but the, the dividing line maybe for me is that I don't have any dysphoria. If I had dysphoria, if I looked in the mirror when I'm my male self and I, uh, was upset, then that's a different place than I am at right now. I'm a person, my definition of being dual gendered is I'm a person who happens to be male bodied, but also has a strong feminine side. I love being both my male self and Lisa, and I love them equally. So you know, I spend most of my time as a male, but when I'm Lisa, I really embrace being Lisa. Lisa, you've been such an inspiration. We have so many people commenting on this and thanking you for sharing your story and, and for all the ladies in this group. Um, I haven't gotten to my story yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you all, yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab some of these ladies that have been um, writing in. So one of the thank yous that we're getting from Emily M is, um, thank you. This very issue is when I am currently trying to figure out whether I am, quote, just a cross-dresser or something more. Really appreciate everybody opening up. Um, Leah Masters had a very interesting comment. She said the cross-dresser label brought with it a simplification and a fetishness perversion angle that was always embarrassing for her and not a true descriptor. Um, I much prefer dual gender or gender fluid. I feel it garners respect and legitimacy. Thank you so much girls for starting this discussion. Um, is that anything when any of you had um, if, if you had ever thought at one point about being a cross-dresser, was that something that you shared? Did you share the emotions yes. that, yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I hate That's... that. I hate that term still. I, I, I feel like it's, yeah, it's been fetishized that 
I'm like, if so, if you came out to anyone and said, I'm a cross-dresser, they're going to be like, oh, okay. Or, or at least a lot of people, have, from what my experience was. But, yeah, but like, if you went out and said, I'm gender fluid, then people were like, oh, okay, that's, tell me more about that. You know, it's not, it's not something that has, you know, social media has like ruined or <laughs> whatever and put like the wrong things in everybody's heads because there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just a term, but it's a term that I felt always felt had a very negative connotations, at least I, in the circles that I ran with. It <laughs> almost seems like cross-dresser is too much of an umbrella too. Like transgender is such a huge umbrella, but even cross-dresser can be too big of an umbrella at times. Well, the, the thing with that is, uh, the implication of cross-dresser is that it's about the clothes. And I don't know that that's really necessarily true for very many people because there's something else fundamentally driving it. I think for, all, for anyone who is drawn to uh, what wearing the clothes of the opposite you know, gender would symbolize. So it means something, you know, and it may be difficult for people to understand why they do it. And no one ever has an answer to that. But usually it's it is driven by something bigger than just the clothes. And I know that during the pandemic, uh, something I had learned was that as I was functioning as Susan, uh, there would be uh, you know day after day where I would be in that persona as I would be interacting with people and it may be electronically and with my role uh, with uh, the Chicago Gender Society, there'd be a lot of uh, you know correspondence going on. And I wouldn't be dressed, you know, necessarily, but I would still be in that role or I would be in, in that frame of mind. So, I mean, it was really a very clear signal that this was not something tied to how I was visually presenting. And uh, it's still true now uh, that, you know, there, there's really virtually not a day where I'm not functioning in the role of Susan. And that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily you know, visually presenting as you see me right now. So it really has to do more with how I'm functioning rather than necessarily how I appear, you know, and, you know, that would be true to people that know me by one persona or the other. Yeah. No. And was that ever the way for anybody else where you could not embrace your inner femme without being dressed? Or could you just go down dressed in any clothes, have a cup of coffee and and feel your full feminine inside before you had, I'm talking early in, in your evolution of life. Well, I tell, I tell you, it's, it's interesting. I, um, not necessarily early in my feminine <clears throat> evolution, but there are times when I will connect with this cisgendered woman as Lisa, even though I am fully presenting as Hank, I will, you know, I won't do anything. I won't touch him on the hand or, or do anything like that. But I feel the connection that I would have with that cisgendered woman had I been presenting as Lisa, but I'm not presenting as Lisa. Lisa, did you have to have, um a cisgender woman with you or could you ever just be totally alone hank hank goes down for the morning surf you know out on the water and you are no nope uh-uh i'm just you know 
People have asked me that. Do you surf as Lisa? Have you ever done that? And I said, no, we take all the fun out of it. I, I, you have to worry about your rig and, and lots of other different things. But, uh, but that's another thing. I noticed in the comments that somebody uh, was talking about uh, the Native American two-spirit. And I want to touch on that because I feel kind of strongly about this. When I first explained to folks that I was dual gender, I would say that it was similar to the Native American two-spirit. But in doing the research for this discussion, I discovered some facts that caused me to rethink it. Firstly, two-spirit is a modern term. It was coined in the 1990s at actually a Native American seminar to explain the folks who were, came under that uh, umbrella. And that's also an umbrella, it's a huge umbrella. Uh, the, each tribe has a different definition as to who is considered two-spirit and the differences in how these individuals are treated, their duties, their responsibilities, and their spiritual role, if any, uh, with, within the tribe. And I'm now at the point where I think that comparing what we do to the Native American two-spirit uh, is inappropriate. It's not, um, in looking at it, you know, superficially sure, but there's so much more involved with the Native American two-spirit that we should just leave that term alone and let that reside with the Native Americans and go forth with our own definition. I was discussing um, our panel today with someone earlier and I actually brought that up and there is a cultural appropriation with two-spirit. Um, that you know that that is something that belongs to the Native American community, and I, I think that should be honored in that way. Um, Lisa, I am not able to see all the comments anymore. We've had so many coming in, so thank you for monitoring because I have specific questions for some of you. <laughs> um, so I can't go back anymore. But Ashley, somebody specifically asked you, um, <laughs> what's so I'm pulling it from memory as I've been scrolling. Uh, how did how did you know that it was time to? transition? Was there a light bulb moment for somebody who is struggling with their gender fluidity at home? And I'm so sorry, so, I, I can't see who wrote that anymore. So um, what it was, was for me, um, I was trying to, um, it, it was just, I guess it was kind of more of a realization. The more I allowed myself to explore this like actually truly explore this because this was always a you know find a moment here find a moment there go on a business trip and, and explore it like after you've worked all day long and like stay up until like 2 a.m or whatever um i mean it was awful like you never really got to socialize you never got to see what your life would really be like when i came out i got to see what my life would kind of be like as gender fluid and i always said that i wouldn't ever know truly know until I did like an immersion experiment. I'm an engineer, so I'm thinking like, and how do I prove this self to myself? Or how do I prove this thing? So I was like, I need to, um, you know, truly force myself to live this way. Like, 
go whole hog to one side for you know an extended period and see like is there a point where i'm just like i miss myself i like like i miss my male me like this is i'm so done with this and i went for a week the first time and never felt it um because i part of it was realization that and this was a big thing for me as part of this was a realization that uh, and, and I actually thank my partner for part of this is, you know, I made the comment, I'm like, I don't want to lose all the things that I do as, a, as my male self. And she's like, what the hell does that even mean? She's like, you, what can you not do as a woman that you currently can do as a man? And I just realized how shallow and stupid of an excuse that actually was. And the more I've like allowed myself to live as a woman, the more I've realized that I am freaking every bit as awesome as I was <laughs> as a man. In fact, way more so because I am fully me now. And um, so I went a week and learned, okay, that wasn't bad, but then I went back and I was okay. And then I tried a little longer and kind of missed myself a little bit, but then what really cemented it was I went, um, I, I decided to socially transition and had been living that way for several weeks. And then I had to uh, go on a family vacation. And as an olive branch to my family, I presented as my former self. I hated every freaking day of that trip because I just felt wrong. I felt like I wasn't being true to myself anymore. I realized this inner voice that had been playing over and over and over again in my head my entire life. Every time I saw a woman, every time I saw a, like another girl or something like that, just not only admiring their clothes, but just wishing you were them, um, wishing I was her. And that had silenced. And I didn't realize it until I had to force myself to go back and it just came roaring back. And I was like, oh my God, I've been living with this all my life. And I was like, this is the right thing for me. This is absolutely the right thing for me. It's not easy. I can tell you that much, but, uh, but it's, it, that was the moment that really kind of cemented everything for me. Cause I, I even, I even asked openly on, on, in, in the sisterhood here, I'm like, after I started, after I started my social transition, I'm like, I hear about everyone saying, oh, it's just so wonderful. I'm so happy like this. Everything's, I'm like, my life's in chaos right now. Like, is it, is everyone always sunshine and roses? And that's, and something's wrong with me in this case. But then a bunch of them started coming out saying, no, it's really hard. You just focus on the good. So, um, but that moment really cemented it for me. That was my aha. Yeah, I really am making the right choice here. Ashley, thank you for putting that so beautifully. And I want to honor, that was from Emily Murray. And thank you so much, Emily, for hey, asking Emily. that question. I mean, we truly have a, a, a cross-section here of just three incredibly unique, beautiful people. And, um, you know, Ashley, I'm so glad that you reminded me of the conversation we had a year ago of where is the dual gender representation in my feminine feminine heart because I forgot this conversation until you're reminding us of it. I'm like, oh yeah. I remember that now, but did I give her a good answer? So I'm so glad that you connected with Lisa. Um, and, you know, watching you journey through this year, I noticed like at one point last summer, we had like a spouses panel 
uh, and here, then you're talking to them and you know, everyone in the spouses and you met them through my feminine heart. And, you know, so to know that these connections have meant that to you and that in our sisterhood, we're able to have kind of those darker conversations too. Sometimes like, Hey, it's, you know, hormones are rough. Who else is just crying over here? You know, um, thank you for always being a voice to have that real conversation. And maybe we should have a dark panel. One of the cornerstones of my feminine heart is positivity and, you know, um, and, and kindness and love, but you know, there, maybe we should have a, Hey, who wants to talk about the stormy days? Um, but so thank you. And speaking of stormy days. So we do have a question kind of about stormy days for, for Lisa and Susan. So Donna Lewin would like to know, um, to Susan and Lisa, do you have mild depression or anxiety? I think we are all quote transgender. It's how we deal with it. That is the difference. Um, is that yeah. something that you ever experienced? Well, I think I'm past that now. And, uh, before I was coming out, I had this sense of being stifled, you know, that there was a part of me that had to be, you know, sort of clamped down and, it ended up uh, kind of robbing me of a lot of uh, expression and, you know, fully exploring who I was, not just in terms of gender, but just fully actualizing myself in, in all ways. And I, you know, I managed to be successful in my career, but it was working against that type of struggle all along. And it wasn't until I came out where I really felt that burden lifted off of me that I had the freedom to just be who I was, you know, whatever that was going to be, whether it was full-time, part-time, I just needed the lid to be taken off uh, to allow myself to just, you know, be who I was. But, you know, that uh, type of, um, you know, there would be aspects of depression, you know, back to the question, but also a certain type of uh, numbness, I think of just having to kind of shut down feelings quite a bit, or it was all very self-imposed. But once that was lifted, you know, I, I found I could really much more freely operate and pursue the things I wanted to do and not have that wasted energy of, you know, burdening myself with, you know, all that was being, you know, forced down and shut down, you know, so, I mean, that's how I would put it. I mean, the last couple of years has been a real uh, change in that. And, you know, people that know me can see the difference. Thank you, Susan. It's so good to know uh, that you can evolve and, and, and come out that way. Um, one other thing I'd throw in, though, I mean, before you mentioned about maybe we should have a dark panel, I, I think it's a good idea, though, because we shouldn't give the impression that you ever necessarily, that anybody ever gets past that entirely. Everybody in life is going to have struggles and this journey isn't meant to get to a point where everything's perfect. You know, there's a, you know, you know no one should have that expectation. So it would be, uh, you know, unfortunate if people who are part of this community felt that they had to live up to this type of idealized, you know, type of, you know, directions. So, you know, talking about some of the realities of, you know, the struggles that we face day to day is probably a good idea in addition to the positivity. 
I think that's great. In fact, we even had an episode led by um, Chloe Webb and Hannah Charlevoix in November called literally keeping it on the sunny side. And I would love it if those ladies too came on and they were like, yes, we keep it on the sunny side, but <laughs> we haven't always had sunny days. That would be really amazing. And we talk a lot about mental health. And I, I want to let Lisa answer this question because it was directed at her as well, but I am going to bring it back to our um, commentary and, and continue this too. But Lisa, I don't want to move on without checking in with you. Um, I, I don't think that I've had any depression uh, or anything like that connected to uh, my dual gender state, okay? Uh, being a trial attorney uh, is a different story. It, everyone has problems and they may be problems connected with their gender presentation or they may be just problems that everybody has, that the cisgendered world has as well. And I think that that's, uh, that was my story. Um, the, you know, I was under other pressures and not, as I've said, I don't, uh, I don't want to trans transition permanently. Uh, I love both my lives. And so I am and have been for many, many years, pretty satisfied. I'm fortunate in that I have a wife who is, um, uh, supportive and uh, who uh, gives me time to be Lisa. She doesn't want to meet Lisa. She doesn't want to see Lisa in the flesh. Um, she never uh, wanted to see a picture of Lisa until I was in the 2020 uh, first event fashion show and she wanted to see what I was wearing. But she's been very helpful to me in helping other people come out to their wives uh, and other things like that. She's proofread anything that I put online of any substance. She's proofread this talk that I've given. Um, was she afraid that I wanted to permanently transition? Yes, she was. When I told her, hey, I'm transgender, she went, she immediately thought transsexual and it took me a while to explain all of that to her, but she understands that she, she is the love of my life. And uh, I don't know why, but I'm the love of her life as well. And so we have worked things out. And there's one thing that I wanted to, to point that I wanted to make that I wasn't able to make. The reason that my wife and I, my wife is so accepting, and I would suggest to all of us who are transgendered, if you come out to your spouse, that it's important to emphasize, and hopefully your spouse will realize, that the person your spouse fell in love with, and who loves now, wouldn't be the same person without, in my case, Lisa inside. And 
I'm fortunate that my wife understands that and appreciates that. And, and so uh, am I fortunate? Yes. My, some of my cisgendered women friends say I, live, I have the best of both possible worlds. And it's true. I do. And uh, I understand and appreciate the struggles that others have. And I've helped some of them through it, and or at least tried to. And uh, you know, we're all on a different path. We all have a different journey. But in, I'll shut up and just say that one choice, one possible choice that you can do, if you can, is you can be dual gendered, and you don't have to be one or the other gender. In other words, you don't have to trans, you don't have to transition to the other gender full time. That's what I want folks to take away from this, that and the thing about your spouse. You know, and I know there's, we're getting so much commentary and so many, so many questions. I, I'm so sorry to everybody that I know I will not be able to respond to everything. There's just, people are talking to each other at this point in the chat. Um, I know all three of you are at Keystone. I think you all should continue this as a panel at Keystone. I think that that would be fabulous. You have like three completely different journeys here on screen and you all speak so well together. Um, so let me see some hearts in our comments if you'd like to see these three ladies speak together <laughs> on a panel at the Keystone conference. But I do want to, so some of the conversation that's been happening behind the scenes, because we are getting pretty deep. Um, is some people are talking about, you know, how the last two years of COVID, the isolation has propelled them to transition and others have made them feel more isolated. And as we're talking about, you know, where we are in our lives and Sunny, you, you know, the journeys that we're watching um, tonight on screen and then in the Facebook chat, so many of these major evolutions have happened through a pandemic. You know, and we're all evolving, hopefully, all the time. You know, Liz Tattersall, who's been saying some lovely things and commentary um, in the chat, you know, she's always made a point in her life coach presentations. There are people who live 99 years, um, like a, the, a lifetime, and then those who live 99 identical years, like at the same time. I know I just said that wrong, but I think you all get the point. Um but so I wanted to, um, I did want to respond to Jerry. So Jerry, I'm going to say Jerry K, because I am i don't want to butcher your last name, um, you know, is, is sharing that COVID pushed Jerry into crossing over the fence and transitioning. Um, and that it seems like she had a couple bad experiences with therapists that she went to a therapist and wanted to know, am I crazy? I like to dress in woman's clothes. Am I crazy? That therapist wasn't helpful, stumbled onto another one who said that they were, they specialized in being transgender. Uh, she told this therapist upfront that she wanted to know if she was crazy. And the therapist said she would not lead her in a direction, but would listen. Um, and by the end of their many sessions decided she did not want to waste the remaining years of her life um, living male when desired to experience the female side. And I just wanted to say that, um, and I know you have more to say there, Jerry, 
we talk about mental health a lot. That's one of the big things I try to encourage on Trans Tuesday because I, you know, it's changed my life having a support system. Um, not all therapists are good therapists. Not all therapists are gender specialists. And so a lot of times you'll go onto a website and I've, and I've searched, I've, I've researched this community quite a bit. Um, and there's, re there's reasons like I've tried to bring people on the show and I can't, cause we're in the middle of a mental health crisis two years into a pandemic. And so there are good therapists. There are bad therapists. There are good therapists who are specialized in gender and there are good therapists who have no idea how to talk about gender. And, you know, a lot of times you'll go into a website and you'll see, I'll talk to minorities on you know, race and culture and gender and sexual orientation and, you know, all these things. And what you realize they're doing is they are trying to get the Google hits by listing everything. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily experienced or specialized in that. So I want to, to make sure that people know just because you, you haven't had an experience or you may have had a bad experience, that doesn't mean it has to be a bad experience when you can find the right support group, counselor, therapist, whatever works for you, whatever you can find, magic happens. You know, when you have somebody who understands what you are going through and can champion you through it, um, it, it really can be life-changing. But, you know, I know many people who have seen therapists and have for various things, and they've said, this person was not a good fit for me, just they weren't a good fit. Um, I had a friend when they were in therapy, the therapist never remembered a single person they talked about. So they felt like every therapy session, they had to go through the list of all their friends and family members and get re-traumatized and re-triggered because they couldn't continue the story. Um, so I would say whether, whatever kind of specialist that person was, that person didn't specialize in listening well. Um, so what I would encourage everybody out there is if you, if you ever think you might want to talk to somebody, get on a list now because the good therapists, some of them are like a year out because we are in a major health crisis. And, you know, you may be working with a, a mental health professional who is simply burnt out. Um, I am friends with some on social media and I literally see them post supportive inspirational messages to themselves about how their community is in crisis, trying to absorb the crises that we are all going through. So, um, you know, I, kudos to anybody who feels that they have taken positive steps forward in their life at this time, especially in these last two years. And please don't ever beat yourself up or think that like these ladies have said, you're doing anything wrong. If you have not always felt sunny or if you have ever felt down. My friends will remind me, for those of you who have been my friend on social media long enough in the beginning of the pandemic, so Lisa would have seen these. Um, you remember when I did my bartending videos? I was like teaching people how to drink through the pandemic. So my business was shut down and I did not handle that well. Um, I had started my feminine heart. It was brand new. We were growing. We had like 20 members and like nothing, you know, was, we were so small. Um, and my photography business was shut down and I, that's a big part of my identity is my self-worth and my ability to produce and live that part of my life. And I lost my mind and my girlfriends will remind me that I literally would be crying on the floor and then jump up, wipe the tears, 
put a smile on and do a Facebook live because I was doing Facebook lives like every other day to continue to remind people I'm still here. Please hire me when this crisis is over. So, um, like Susan said, we all have those hard moments. And I promise you, like, there are times that you've seen me on screen where I literally like, we're wiping the tears beforehand. I'm like, well, time to be on Facebook live. Here we go. So <laughs> no, for anybody with those struggles, we're all here for you. Um, and if you know, you feel alone, please consider joining my feminine heart. We would love to have you and welcome you into our community and, and grow with you together. But I wanted to hit that tangent because mental health is really important to me and making sure that if you ever think that you might want to get on some lists now, because there are weights, it just, everybody is in therapy now, just, just get on a list so that when you need somebody, they're there for you. But I think I had cut Susan off. I'm so sorry, Susan, if you can even remember what she wanted to say. Um, no, that, that's very important. And you know, on that point, it took me five ther therapists to get to the point of having one that was really effective in helping me work through this for myself. But part of that was over a period of time. And back when I first tried therapy, we didn't even have such a thing as gender therapists. And uh, you, and as a patient, you know, I had to be at the right stage to be ready to do the sort of self-examination that was necessary and really take the reins of that for myself. So it was a matter of timing and finding the right person uh, for myself at that time. Uh, one other thing I'd like to throw out there and maybe get the, uh, the, the listeners thinking about, you know, I think we're giving the impression quite a bit that uh, a person, you know, considers whether they're dual gender or a cross-dresser versus taking the step of seeing themselves as uh, transgender and taking on a transition. Uh, but I don't think of, uh, I would like to know what other people think about this because I don't see transitioning as being necessarily the dividing point. You know, I see sort of a blurred line there. And what I mean is, you know, I know people that think of themselves as, you know, dual gender. They don't have the intention of, you know, living full time one gender or another, but they've taken on a, a medical transition where they've been on hormonal therapy for many years, uh, or they've even had a number of surgeries, you know, but they're still maintaining um, a, a gender identity in both roles and don't necessarily plan to give that up. I'm surprised how often I see that. And even uh, there's even a good friend of mine who I know is scheduled for the final surgery for what would be considered, you know, the full medical transition. They've been on hormones. They've had a series of surgeries and they're having, you know, the full final surgical procedure. But that person is not intending on coming out to every person in their life, which I, it struck me as amazing how they man, how they intend to do that. But it, it's not even a consideration for them to come out to everybody. So it just goes to show that there is such a diversity of approaches that people are taking. And I don't know if others are seeing that too, you know, but I don't see that the decision on transitioning is necessarily the dividing point as much as we might think it is. And also there are people that may have a very serious uh, gender dysphoria, but have reasons why medically transitioning is not something that they're even able to pursue. 
It may be a, med a medical issue, or it might be, you know, circumstances in their life that stand in the way of that. And I would encourage everyone, if, if what Susan is saying resonates with you, we touched on this during her last Trans Tuesday Live. She um, shared her journey in self-discovery with us, which you will find on myfeminineheart.com under Transition Journeys, a list of our Transition Journey episodes. Susan also came on live afterwards to answer questions with our audience and shared that um, you know, she has experienced quite the medical traumas in her life. And so if she'd wanted to pursue, and I'm just regurgitating what we talked about. I feel like it's, it's such an intimate thing, but, um, you know, we had talked about this on another episode that you pursued many alternative, you know, holistic ways of embracing your feminine side without the need for you to personally undertake a medical transition that you're, you were not able to do. You know, not everybody can physically go through a medical transition. Um, I hope I'm saying all that accurately, Susan, but I want to encourage everyone that you've, you did talk about this a lot and that that information is available on the website if they'd like to hear that old episode. Right. Yeah. We don't have to go back and try to cover that now, of course, but there is actually more to it because in addition to the medical reasons why I couldn't really pursue that. I have found a way to reconcile, you know, the degree of dysphoria that I may have. So I think for me, it was also a matter of realizing that I could do it another way that would give me the fulfillment that I needed. So that's what I think we're all after is we're trying to find our reconciliation and our peace of mind. And there's different ways to get there. And there's not one, you know, cookie cutter path, you know, that's going to be right for everybody. And that gets back to where I have trouble, I think, with the labels, because that gives the implication that you have these hard lines between the different categories. But I think the lines are maybe more blurred than, than that. And I, I, I would predict that over time, we're going to find that people need labels less than what it seems like they latch on to now, because so many of the younger generation are coming up and they're feeling more free to explore you know, their, their own version of gender diversity. And it doesn't have to fall into a, a clear identical, you know, kind of, uh, you know, definition that people have come to before. You know, and I think they're, the, the younger people coming up are taking a more individual approach. And I think that's probably going to be more the direction that the community goes, if I was going to guess, you know, like 10 years from now, what we would see. It's funny, I could talk on and on about labels because as much as I hated them, when I went to Erie, um, and I didn't go into like, what do you identify as? But it was a lot of like, when I'd sit down and meet somebody new, it was kind of like, basically it was, were you full-time or part-time? Because it helped me know, because there was a very small contingent of um, women who were transitioning. And at the time, this was my first conference ever there. So I was like, I wanted to talk to those. Again, I was looking for someone who I could lean on and learn their life experiences with. I'm like, I know, I know my life experiences and everything, but I'm, I was very new to transitioning. So I was trying to find someone I could talk to about it. Um, so I was trying like politely and quickly just to kind of not label anyone, but to just kind of find out, hey, you know, <laughs> where, where do you fall? Because it would help me 
know if I could steer the conversation somewhere where I could ask for help or whatever. So it's like a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Cause I know when I first came out, I hated labels. I was so confused. I didn't want to identify myself cause I really didn't know where how to identify, but um, they, they serve a purpose at times. I know it sucks. It's just, it's a, it's a very open topic to talk about that might be an interesting <laughs> debate one night. <laughs> so, yeah. And whoever it helps, I'm, I'm all for it. If it gives yeah. somebody, you know, that anchor to move toward a, you know, a, a resolution in their mind, a peace of mind over that. So to whatever extent it helps people individually, that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that we could easily, one second, Lisa, I think we could easily have um, many follow-up panels like this. We could almost do this, you know, quarterly um, with how passionate <laughs> our, this conversation is in the background. Um, I do want to bring up, we have a question that is, is, is on topic, but is going in a different direction. And I want to make sure that we cover that. Um, so Beth McKinley, one of our favorite uh, advocates who is a part of our membership, um, she, you know, she always comes in with a, a great professional question and that's what she wants to know. She said, how can professionals you work with, CPAs, lawyer, financial professionals, life coaches, et cetera, be respectful in working with somebody who is in their discovery. Um, she tends to always ask for clarification, but wants to make sure that she is asking in the right way, such as, how would you like me to address you in communications? That was honestly my biggest problem at work, because I came out to work at the beginning of la this last year, and um, everyone wanted to be supportive but no one knew how to do it because like I said, I would come out as gender fluid and they're like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, some days I'll show up presenting as male and some days I'll show up presenting as female. And they're like, how would you like me to address you? I'm like, well, however I'm presenting that day. And, and then when emails got going, it, it got very confusing and it got very hard for me to juggle that in my head and my heart and everything. And I know it was hard on everyone. So I, Lisa and Susan, I don't, if you have a better answer, because I struggled mightily with this. I did not have a good answer for it. <laughs> right. Well, I think the biggest challenge that we can present to other people is if we are presenting two different ways, two different genders, and if we're asking other people to regard us uh, differently from time to time, because when somebody knows you, you know, the pronouns just roll off the tip of the tongue. It's not something that people generally would would uh, consciously have to be thinking about or being careful about. You just know somebody and the right pronoun comes out. But if that person is, is toggling back and forth, you know, to expect other people to continually adjust to that is a lot to ask. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, you know, if that's who we are. But I think the reality is it puts a big challenge out there for other people to be able to effectively um, you know, respect that. And they may be very much respecting you and wanting to do the right thing, but it's, it's gonna be difficult for them. Now, if you know people who know you only by one gender or the other, then uh, you, know, they, you may get that cleared up up front. They may ask, you know, or they may just assume based on how you're presenting yourself. And, you know, and that's generally been my experience where I've not been in the habit of announcing what my pronouns are and people, you know, look at me and they, 
you know, and they, you know, respond to the signals that I'm giving out of how I want to be regarded. And I haven't had any problem with that. And actually, to be honest, I have found that one of the most uh, affirming experiences I can have is when somebody will just address me with the correct pronouns without anything having to be said about it. You know, just that, you know, they would, they would know it without, without any word being spoken, because that's part of the reason to go to the effort of presenting ourselves as we do is to put that signal out there. And hopefully that's enough to, uh, to make the statement without, you know, the words having been said or having the name, you know, that, you know, we are being addressed by. I think if we're putting those signals, because I know this is a bit controversial, I think there's a, a trend now that pronouns should be announced up front, you know, and I, I understand there's very good reasons for people to clarify that as they're introducing themselves. But, you know, to be honest, I feel that I'm sacrificing something by not having the experience of someone just, you know, knowing it from how I am presenting and wishing to be regarded. You, you know what I mean? It's, I've got mixed feelings about that. I, yeah, I do. I've, and, oh, I'm sorry, Georgette had made a comment about, you know, it's all about presentation. I can tell you that I was not really um, well-versed in the trans community until I attended my first Keystone conference in 2012, despite having thought of myself as an LGBTQ advocate, I knew the least about the T. So as somebody who is, um, who has been around for a few decades and most of them living in a very binary world, I can tell you that there have been many people over time where I have not known their gender by how they were neutrally presenting. So there would have been definitely times when I would like before even being at a, a trans conference or, or experiencing the gender fluidity um, where, you know, there was that a little bit of a struggle where how, what would you prefer? And before pronouns were even conversations, I, I you know, you just didn't even know how to, to address that. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, oh. that's exactly why I, uh, I've got mixed feelings about it because I see that side of it too. And I see how that is necessary, uh, especially with so many, you know, non-binary people that are coming up and identifying that way. And I know some trans people who fully identify as trans, you know, not dual gender, not non-binary, but trans in a binary way, but never present as the gender that they identify as, and they have reasons in their life why they don't, you know, but um, to respect someone like that, we can't really assume what someone's, you know, gender identity is, you know, just by how they appear, you know, because there's too many examples like that. And unfortunately for all of the, like you said, all of the rush and the great feelings you get when somebody truly identifies you properly, it's just as bad when somebody misgenders you after all the work that you do to try and present properly um because i get that a lot um and it's just it it just cuts and eats at you yeah 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 well um ladies i can't believe we are stretching into 9 30 already um as always i always say the people ask me how long is the show i'm like 45 minutes to an hour and it slides into that hour and a half especially when we have a panel and you've definitely inspired me that this is a topic we need to revisit 
um, after we have a dark days discussion <laughs> panel for sure. Um, you've all brought up so many beautiful points. Lisa, we started with you. I'd like to um, begin our wrap up with you. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to share or advice that you would have for anybody out there? Anything that you feel was left kind of unsaid? Um, I, wanted, I want to be clear that I am not presenting um, definitions that people have to be pigeonholed in. I hoped that, that it was clear, but from judging from some of the comments, it's not. You can be who you are. Your definitions are not my definitions. I hope I was clear about that, that if you consider yourself to be dual gendered, then you're dual gendered for whatever reason. It's not what I think or anyone else thinks about what your presentation is. It is what you think. And I hope I was clear about that because it really seems like I was not. But in any event, I really appreciate you doing this, Cass. I, I'm really very happy uh, and it's wonderful to, to see a lot of my friends on the uh, Facebook feed. And I'll close with that. Well, and, you know, Lisa had messaged me. She's, she was saying in the chat, like, she's like, I feel like I'm being unclear. And I'm just like, no, you're clear. You're clear. Uh, so we were having this, this little bit of a debate. Well, well um, she, I mean, there's been some discussion here that makes me think that I wasn't clear and that, um, uh, uh, I was trying to pigeonhole people. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show that there are many different ways that you can be trans. And this is one of them. You don't have to be my way. I don't expect you to be my way. I never well, asked anybody to be my way. I haven't seen those comments, but I will say, I, um, you know, this is a, this is a, a place of, of grace and kind of a safe space. And I, I hate to use the word safe space, but um, you know, I think what, what we see, and so we have a lot of rules where, you know, if there's any negativity, people are blocked and banned from my feminine heart. And thankfully we have not experienced a lot of that, but you know, we're human beings speaking live and there has to be a lot of grace with that. And it's funny because Susan, when you were talking about earlier, um, you know, and how do we respond to somebody who, um, is non-binary or as somebody had asked, goes back and forth in their journey of discovery. I was actually having that conversation with somebody today. I know someone whose child will present differently every day, um, you know, as children are, are trying to discover themselves, but so many other people are. And I think that the rule is, and I know it can be painful to be misgendered if you are thoroughly on that path. Um, I think it just all comes with kindness and grace you know, if somebody makes a mistake, if they are sincerely apologetic and, 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 and can feel that and say, I'm sorry, you know, give them that grace too. I think that when we all respond with anger, but it's also how we listen. So I think Lisa, if anybody heard you pigeonhole tonight, they were not listening with their full ears. And I think what happens a lot is with listening. Um, so many people listen to respond, they don't listen to learn. And so, I mean, 
Susan and Ashley, do you feel that Lisa was super clear tonight that she was not yes. pigeonholing people? Oh, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, the, the, if 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 it was any of my commentary that made you feel that way, Lisa, no, not at all. I was just no, trying to no, share what my stuff was. Okay, but um, you know, Cass, the other thing I'd like to add, if I could, was just to everyone should understand that you can identify, like, think you identify one way. And then you can have the full right to figure out that after a while you were you, you, that's no longer you or you could even be correct for a year or two or 10 or 20 and then change again it, it's it's all right all of that is okay the part that really helped me uh and actually this was fairly recent to me though was that uh you need to figure out be true to yourself and not Think about how you can compromise your true feelings to still let everyone else still feel okay with you. Um, I finally felt my happiest when I finally stopped doing that and was just totally open and true and honest to myself. And then it was like it everything else. It was kind of kind of another aha moment for me. <laughs> so, thank you, Ashley. And you know, I see more comments coming in from people saying, "Lisa, you were very clear." So, but I think oh. that's part of the point tonight too, is this is about how you put yourself out there, how you feel about yourself inside in your own truth and not letting anybody else judge or take away from that. So own the truth that you were very clear. And if somebody misheard you, this is recorded and streamed for all time. They are welcome to re-listen to this over and over and over again. Um, yeah. But Susan, do you have any last thoughts that you would like to share from from well, this evening. Yeah, I want to throw in too, uh, just like Ashley said, if there, you know, it could be some of the things I said may have sounded like they were challenging you. I, that was not anything I was intending. Uh, I think you couldn't have been more clear. And I think you bent over backwards to make it clear that you were not imposing categories on anybody. Um, I was bringing up some nuances based on experiences I've had and people that I know in the community and the whole diversity that I see, but none of that was meant as a commentary on what you were saying. So I hope you weren't hearing it that way. Um, but, and maybe it sounds like maybe you were, <laughs> yeah. But- uh, I, I think this is a lovely panel. Oh, I'm sorry, Susan, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. And one other last thing I would throw out there is that Right when I first was coming out was when I first heard the term dual gender. I'd never even heard of that before. And I was elated when I first knew there even was such a thing because I, I was totally confused before that. And uh, just like Lisa had originally brought up in her talk, you know, a lot of people have the misconception when they don't know anything about the community that being transgender means that you're on a path to a full, you know, binary transition with surgeries and all that. And then at that point, I was first learning that, that there isn't really one way that defines the, the community. So I latched on to that dual gender uh, term because I thought maybe this is what's going to give that clarity to me. And then ultimately, I ended up moving away from it because I realized I didn't really have that duality it wasn't like I feel like I switch between one gender and the other, but you know, it, the um, you know that that split was something I ended up not relating to. So it's like Ashley said, we can start out maybe identifying one way, and then over time that may change. And ultimately, all it is is what 
way can you identify for yourself that gives you, you know, that sense of resolution and whatever way you have of referring to that, you know, if it does that for you, then that's going to be a positive thing. So, uh, you know, but Lisa, I want to thank you for everything that you brought. And I know you were intending to do this at first event. So I'm sorry you didn't have that platform and you were able to do it here. And again, I'm sorry if anything I said was misinterpreted as, uh, you know, any type of uh, disagreement with your points. But I've mainly been trying to bring, uh, you know, a different perspective that can add to the discussion. You know, nothing to take away from what you've been saying. I think you've all added so much and in such a lovely way. And, and Lisa, I know this would have been like a whole presentation of yours. So I welcome, I thank you very much for kind of condensing what you would have given alone so that we could share this space with, you know, ladies on, on their journeys as well. Um, we have so many new people who have joined us this evening. So this really sparked a lot of interest in the community. And I thank you for that. Um, so Dan C had said, like Skylar, so I'm sorry, Skylar, if I missed your comment too. This is um, my first time here and I wish I had come here a long time ago. I know I would not quote pass that easily, but that just doesn't take away from what's in your heart. I don't know if I'm trans or just a CD, but somebody like Ashley, for example, I would love to sit and have a conversation someday. And uh, thank you, Cassandra, for providing this for us to feel like we're not alone. Thank you. And I think that, um, Dan, thank you for saying that. I think what you are seeing um, are three incredible people and on screen and then dozens of amazing people in our Facebook chat who feel so passionately about this. And, you know, if the four people up here, including myself, can be on very different journeys in our tiny little community, imagine all the different journeys that are happening out there. Um, I do want to let you know some of the things that are happening. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, if you missed the beginning, we, um, our sisterhood is open. If you'd like to join us, please do so, myfeminineheart.com. And there's a link to join us right at the top. We'd love to welcome you into our sisterhood. You've seen, you know, how that has brought us all together here. Uh, we also, um, next week, we will not be live. So we will be having one of our private member events. We will be featuring um, a sister spotlight on artist, woodworking, amazing human being, Ashley Glennon. She will be giving us a tour inside her studio. And so for anybody who, like I have this long, deep embedded dream of having a studio where I can just go and do woodworking and blacksmithing and work with stained glass, you know, just, just an all over art studio. If you've ever had those dreams, but you didn't think it was a reality, here's somebody right in front of you who has made it a reality. Um, let her help inspire the path to you. And if you have actually specific questions about woodworking and her artwork's amazing. Oh my goodness, what she has created. We're not just talking tables and chairs here. This is like fine art that could be in a gallery. Um, you know, she can give you tips and, and tricks for that as well. And what we love about this is this is going to be for any of our new members, we're going to do this on Zoom. So if you've signed the model release, you can join us in the Zoom and we're going to stream it to our private Facebook group. So it's still kind of a private member only event, but it has nothing to do with a discussion topic like tonight. It's celebrating 
our sisterhood and the diversity of what our sisterhood brings to the table and allows people to step out of the conversations of, are you full-time or part-time or what's your label or not your label? Um, so I thank you very much for that. That will be next week. And then we have some fantastic events coming up in February. If you are interested in joining the Keystone Conference, I am one of the co-chairs and our registration opened this weekend. Um, and we have some really fun, exciting things uh, to that we'll be presenting. We have a whole debutante day on Wednesday. If you've never attended a conference, if you've never come out before, Wednesday is a fantastic place for you to come out for the first time. It's a, another um, safe space. I need to find a better term than safe space, um, but it's a wonderful place where you can meet people. There will be amazing volunteers like Lisa will be there. Um, you know, we have, she's part of the Vanity Club who act as big sisters and help so many of the debutantes go out and get their nails done for the first time and shop for the first time. And we walk you through all that experience. And this year, um, out of a passion of mine, will be the first ever cornhole tournament. So um, if you love uh, competitive sports, one of our members of My Feminine Heart, who's also in the Vanity Club and a volunteer at Keystone, Samantha Etheridge, she is um, the Arkansas co-ed cornhole champion. And she is helping us with our first ever cornhole tournament. And she will have a clinic there if you've never played before. We are limiting that only 40 people can sign up. Um, and it's going to be really fun because it's going to be a crossover with the Keystone Business Alliance um, mixer. So you can meet business people from the community um, as well as people from the conference, you know, drink a beer, have some pizza and play in cornhole. I just don't know if it gets more fun than that <laughs> but, you know, from my perspective. Um, and last but not least, so if you um, if you're not ready to take the step for My Feminine Heart, or even if you are, or for our other My Feminine Heart sisters, this year we have our second feminine challenge. Last year we had this really intense 30-day feminine flexibility challenge. And I know that intimidated a bunch of people, but for those who joined, it was life-changing. And we've spent the last year, we went beyond 30 days and spent a year together. Uh, this coming February 1st, we are having a micro of that, a 10-day feminine movement challenge. It is 100% free. If you are somebody at home who, um, if you've built up a lot of muscle or injury over the years, like so many of my clients in the community from athletics or bodybuilding or you know just living life when you get out of bed on the wrong side at 40 and you twist your back, any issues like that, um, you know, you need to improve your flexibility. You feel that you don't have the feminine grace and movement that you've been dreaming of. Well, this is your chance to come and start yourself on that movement journey every day uh, from February 1st to the 10th at 12 noon Eastern standard time. We will be um, meeting together for just 10 minutes a day. So if it's your lunch break or your breakfast or your evening dinner, depending on where you are in the country and the world, um, take 10 minutes with us to move and stretch, to breathe, take a few minutes of pause for yourself. It's going to be super gentle and a really great way that if you've ever wanted to have a little bit more of movement or grace, this is your chance to start that journey. If you've ever wanted to explore yoga or meditation, we're gonna be dipping our toes in that too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so lots of fun, exciting things. We have a free Facebook group that you can join to learn more. And I'll be talking a lot about that from now through the beginning of February. It's the 10 day free 
Feminine Movement Challenge. I will put it in the comments. Susan, I'm going to link in the episode where we talk about your medical um, Trans Tuesday too, where we talked about your alternatives to transitioning. I'll put that in the comments as well. So we've had so many incredible um, conversations tonight. I thank you all. Lisa, Susan, Ashley, thank you for your time this evening. Thank you for everybody at home. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you join us. We love you all. And if you are not one of our sisters, join us um, for the Zoom next week for the private Zoom with Ashley. And if you are not yet, we look forward to seeing you for our next live episode in February. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.